A nudnik, a real bum. The bad clowns freak him out. This is the... Theme song of the podcast of the movie of the uncle of the nephew who's a dreamer and he cannot keep a job. We watch the... Movie by the minute and we talk about what's in it but we want it to be different so we added two more seconds. It's UHF 62. Uh, 60 second. UHF 60 second. I know. Welcome back to UHF 62nd, where we talk about the movie UHF, of course, of course. I am your, your <laughs> I'm not your horse. I am your host, Jonathan Carlyle. And my name is Mr. Johnson, or David, if you're of nasty. Course, of course. <laughs> or something like that. Hey, Jonathan, how's it going? So th- this is the, the minute following up the last minute where we began talking about Mr. Ed, but we are going to continue talking about Mr. Ed. going to finish up not talking about Mr. Ed as uh, we move on to a new character yet again. Did I say the minute 15 already? Uh, I don't think we did say minute 15, but this is minute 15. Yeah, so we, we start right off with Mr. Ed. Last minute we got a little bit of the intro, but this time we get all the words. I, this song is definitely a song that I know. How familiar are you with Mr. Ed? Um, not very familiar. I saw uh, episodes here and there on Nick at Night, I'm sure, but I was much more of a fan of uh, Dobie Gillis for I don't know why. And I can only, uh, I can, everybody, of course, of course, knows the first few lines of the song, but I, I don't know that I could sing the whole song. Well, I'm really bad with lyrics, so I can't sing the whole song, but it would, you know, the, the tune would get stuck in my head. Mm-hmm. I, I guess we should address that we do not have a guest for this episode. They bailed on us, huh? That's all I got. Unless there's... Yeah, well, no, I, listeners should uh, tune in next episode where, when we will reveal who the uh, guest that bailed on us uh, was or is. Starting off in this minute, we get the Mr. Ed theme song. As we've already alluded to, it's a horse. and Of course. They rhyme it with, of course. So the first two lines, or the first main line... As far as rhyming goes, it's just horse and course. That's it. The next stanza, um, we got source, uh, horse, endorse, and course. They're, they mean course in a different sense, but it's the same word. So all in all, we have horse, course, source, and endorse. We have four words that rhyme. I, I think that's... Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, they made a compelling song out of it, but... Uh, <laughs> I, I would think any any rhymicist would balk at that. Think that you could do a little bit better than that. I like that uh, you chose the descriptor of compelling. What does the song compel you to do, or what does it compel you towards? I don't know that I find this uh, well, song compelling. I mean, <laughs> it says a horse is a horse, of course, of course, and no one can talk to a horse, of course. That is, of course, unless the horse is, is the famous, famous Mr. Ed. Ed. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure people talk to horses all the time. They don't talk back. Well, maybe they do. I don't know. I'm not a horse whisperer. Or is that the thing? Maybe you have to whisper to the horse? I think, I I don't know. Scarlett Johansson is the titular horse whisperer. Is that not right? I, I'll go along with you. If that's what you say, sure. Well, in the in the film, the horse whisperer, uh, this is going to lead to bad things. Because I, I now I'm second guessing myself if it was Robert Redford or Scarlett Johansson, which one of them were, was, or possibly still is the uh, uh, horse whisperer. Well, Robert Redford was definitely in a movie with a horse. Yes. Captain America, Winter Soldier. There's a horse in there? Robert Redford's in there. 
Is it? So he's the horse in Captain America. <laughs> of course, of course. He's the winter, he, the winter horse. So what is Mister Ed? Um, do you know the the actual name of the real actual horse that played that stood in as the character, Mister Ed? Or I guess wasn't stood. Was there a stand-in horse? Do you know? I don't know. Oh, okay. Let's see. Bamboo Harvester was the name of the horse. I, I did do some reading on it, and I think there may have been like a stand-in horse, but they didn't always need him because Bamboo Harvester was say such a professional. Um, indeed oh my goodness like i i I must have gotten so enthralled with my reading that i barely wrote anything down um (laughs) there there's the the rumor or the you know the legend i guess that they use peanut butter to make the horse move its lips i can't deny that they tried to do that at some point but it just turned out that they just didn't need it um they also tried the little string theory where you tie some strings to their lips or something i don't know or maybe that was just people making stuff up i had always heard the so i did not research this because i you know off air we you'd mentioned that you had had some we're gonna bring the mr ed game so but i had always heard oh shoot i brought uh i brought reco instead <laughs> oh man um so i had always heard and as i'm preparing to say this uh on the record for all of our listeners uh, this occurs to me that this is of course got to be an urban legend but i had always heard that they had used a carrot to make the horse move its lips or some other kind of a i thought that was you used a carrot when you wanted a horse to walk you into the desert that's when you put a carrot in front of the horse i was told that the carrot was um put in back of the horse Uh, Whoa, whoa Trying to keep it. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. So that's what I. That's what I had. Uh, Wilbur. That's what I had been imagining it. So you know, every maybe that's why I didn't end up watching it very much because every time I saw it, I was imagining some guy, um, you know, back behind the horse, um, uh, up to his elbow. <laughs> if he's up to his elbow, then what? What does he need a carrot for? <laughs> well i i don't know maybe the carrot <laughs> let's moving on i guess <laughs> oh right so the let's see bamboo harvester for some reason i have a note that his father was named harvester so i who knows international harvester yes yeah his his daddy was a uh farm machine uh, <laughs> uh bamboo harvester was born in 1949 the show which I have conflicting notes because that's just how I take notes, I guess. I have 1958 through 1966, but I think 1958 was the original pilot or something, but the show didn't actually get moving till 1961. A solid five years of a talking horse, which was not the only talking horse on television, but I think that's the only one we care to talk about, right? Uh, yes. That's interesting that there's conflicting uh, timelines there. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to bring something up here as we move a little bit further on into the minute that has a little bit of conflicting timeline as well. So hmm. there's there's conflict. Uh, but I think as far as my other notes, I think I already said them last minute. So we don't need to beat that horse. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, we can. Um, uh, dang it. Oh, man, I, I've got nothing. I'm. I was chomping at the bit to get another analogy in there, or an analogy. Oh, man. Your horse analogies? I was waiting for minute 15 to hear all about your horse analogies. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess we already did hear about your horse analogies. (laughs) The the guy in his carrot. Yeah. So that's all I have about Mr. Ed. But I do like the timing of the song as it finishes. Like, as soon as it's it's done, we just get the scream and the reveal. Mm Mm-hmm. Although I'm not quite ready to go into the reveal of the character. I'm just, as far as relating to the song, 
on the movie. Are we talking about this room that they're moving through? I'd love to. I don't have a lot to say about some of it. I pretty quickly gave up on trying to name some of the pieces of equipment or find out what some of the pieces of equipment are. It's just... Um, it's so jam-packed full of wonderful stuff in this room. Maybe we'll start with this. Okay. I know you and I, we both have listened to the commentary. We both seem to have uh, similar notes as far as locations, but uh, this is actually filmed in an interior for, well, Weird Al notes it as Jimmy Houston Productions. Mm-hmm. At 4466 uh, South uh, 72nd East. 72nd or 74th? Uh, Sure. It doesn't matter, because that's not Jimmy Houston Productions anymore. Now, my research took me in kind of weird places. So if you search Jimmy Houston Productions, you'll get some different things. So I don't know what the history was, if he was a... If that production company was was a a media-slash-broadcasting thing, but now it seems that they're all about fishing and pecans. So maybe they made fishing videos, just kind of moved on with their life, and went into pecans or pecans. How do you say pecans? Pe- pecans. Uh, pecan. Pecan. I remember in high school, in Spanish class of all places, uh, there was a kid from Texas. All of a sudden, he had just had it, and he just made fun of all of us for the way we say pecans, because I guess people say pecans. And he's like, it's pecan. So I since have taken that in. I can't say I say that every time, but there's your pecan talk. Although if I'm going to say it like, like a name of a podcast, like I would say pecan talk. Because it sounds pecan, pecan, pecan. Not even, not even pecan. It's pecan. Oh, pecan. It's almost like one one syllable. Pecan. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like one syllable. I don't, I don't know that that's one syllable. <laughs> <laughs> or like a bird call. Pecan, pecan. Okay, uh, it's just bringing me back to a certain tree in Texas that will remain unnamed. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So, so yes, the but the 4466 South 74th East Avenue that is now the proud home of Cloud 9 Productions, which they do all the same stuff. So, I like I said, I don't know if it changed hands or if someone bought them out and just uses facilities. I tried to find out who the poster of the looks like a Greek philosopher uh, or whatnot uh, taped up as the camera pans across here as they're moving through this laboratory. So, here we go. Pecan, pecan laboratory laboratory uh laboratory sounds fancy and i like it but i just don't i never think of to say it that way yeah i got a laboratory sounds like something somebody who uses it should say yeah i work at a lab and i definitely call well i call it a lab like almost all the time i but i i guess if i'm saying the whole thing i do say laboratory which is a bummer because i should uh, you know i have cause to say laboratory or laboratory many times a day and i always choose laboratory and that kind of depresses me that i'm constantly choosing the less fancy fun to say version well do you say either or either because i think you just said either uh i say either way but otherwise it's either so i guess i use either either or either of course of course of course yeah the that uh, like greek philosopher face poster guy that's taped up there did you happen to figure out who that was aristotle it is aristotle okay all right i'm pretty confident just kind of flashed in my head so i did a google search and the pictures that i saw seemed to match that picture pretty well but it looks just like his uh driver's license picture Mm -hmm. yeah anything else i mean there's there are literally so many amazing things that the camera's uh going past here we could this could we could be going on quite a while is there anything else in particular that uh struck your fancy i, I should just say about aristotle that uh, of course he's a a moron 
Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. That took me a second, but I'm tracking with you. Along with, you know, Plato, Aristotle, Socrates. Morons. morons. Yep, all of them. Uh, yeah, as we're tracking across there, or I, probably before they actually do the tracking, as far as the focus goes, mm-hmm. uh, we have all those wonderful test tubes and beakers out mm-hmm. front. Mm-hmm. I just like the coloring. If you look at just that shot, when all of those beakers are in focus before they start actually moving across the room, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. You, like in the background, even where it's fuzzy, you get like similar yellows and blues to the foreground. Mm-hmm. And growing up and watching UHF all the time, I never thought about how it looked. Now that I'm looking at it, like I'm actually pretty impressed sometimes. I'm not a filmographer or a professional anything about lighting and how film's supposed to look in the three quadrants or three quadrants <laughs> is completely wrong, I understand. But I'm just saying, I don't know. But this looks nice. I also noticed that going from left to right, you do have a green fluid in the beaker. But once you get past that first green one, then mm-hmm. you have red to yellow, to green, to blue, to yellow. I don't know. Like, there's some transition in there that makes sense color-wise. Yeah, and it's... Blues and yellows are kind of together with greens, and I don't know. It's mirrored to some degree by the... So the back cement wall of the building is kind of lit green, um, but then as, you know, further on in the minute, uh, when they cut away to the reverse shot on George and... um, George and... uh, Oh, my gosh. Tina? No. What? Terry! Terry! (laughs) Um, that reverse shot, you know, it's purple. The I walls, the, the wall. <laughs> ow, ow. Uh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> oh my, that is so far ahead of us right now. So that wall behind them is lit purple. And then you kind of have, there's, you know, on the two shot that has uh, the character that we haven't introduced yet and George and Terry, you know, it's kind of like a red wall. So it's the, even the walls, you know, it's, it's the lighting in this is really cool. They, they played around a lot and I really like how, um, in the shot, you know, after it racks focus from the beakers to George and Terry, as they start moving, there's, you know, there's foreground, there's midground, there's uh, background like really clearly defined it's a really it's a really super fun shot i would have loved to have been you know on set while they were dressing the set because i guess it, it actually all this stuff gets cooler like i thought it was cool when i was a kid when the stuff was only a little bit old but now gosh how many years on are we almost uh, or i guess we're 30 years on this room just gets cooler and cooler and cooler as all this tech laying around gets older and and you know more um obsolete and vague I just want to be yeah, in like, this room. These days, like there'd be stuff in the background that uh, my kids probably wouldn't even know what it is, or I don't even know if I know what everything in that room is. Yeah, I know that I don't know what everything in that room is. For anybody who likes to talk about uh, laboratories and their test tubes, um, so we do have some regular uh, test tubes in there, but we do uh, that shot that I was talking about. We've got some nice Erlenmeyer flasks, and then as we pan <laughs> along, we get the. Uh, the other type of well-known flask, which is not the Erlenmeyer. I've kind of forgotten what the other one is at the moment. Yeah, I'm not going to be much help to you there. Well, <laughs> this is like a this is like a partnership. This is like, you know, one two. Yeah, I give you give you you take. Yes, you give I take. That's exactly right that. Yep. Okay. <laughs> is the other one called the Florence flask? That's kind of boring. You got Erlenmeyer, which is like this tongue rolling word to say, kind of fun to say then florence the ones that i think are actually visually more appealing like the bulbous ones with the little test tube shape coming out of the top yeah that are the boiling flask yeah there's like a couple that are like kind of they're like sideways kind of on that yeah. um yeah those are pretty cool uh 
Are we introducing the, this character that's introduced in this minute? Yeah, I think I'm ready. Oh, do you want to do? Do you want to do the honors? Do you want me to just like scream and then you'll intro? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think that scream is all Terry. George just kind of jumps back. I find that, that that's like a really weird choice that that right after the scream, where she just closes her eyes and kind of bonks her head on rests her head on George's shoulder. I don't think it's that strange. It's, it, it may be strange in a movie, but I think it's actually kind of realistic. I guess somebody who like kind of freaks out a little easy i'm not that way but i have experienced sure in sure my life that are like that no names <laughs> no names mentioned but people see a spider and they just like freak out and then i would imagine that they kind of just like oh you know they realize immediately that it's not that big of a deal and so she just has that little moment of like oh oh whew, okay. yeah yeah i guess so. yeah i mean i see what you're saying but they also yeah it's just a guy she realizes or is it as we will find out much later on but so it's still a guy that they don't know who this guy is. They don't know why he's there. They're in unfamiliar territory. Just kind of the fact that she closes her eyes is, and so that she, you know, <laughs> like this guy could be anybody. And, and she like turns her head away from him and closes her eyes, like leaving herself completely defenseless to like if he were to like spring on them. She has her eyes closed. Well, you must have missed that very special episode of, of Mr. Ed. Where Wilbur uh, taught Mr. Ed that if you come upon a strange man, but he's holding a soldering gun, he's fine. I did miss that episode of Mr. Ed. Uh, I'm glad that you mentioned the soldering gun, though, because anymore, like, I have a soldering iron, and I don't like it. My dad has a soldering gun that's almost exactly like that. That's what I grew up with, and I love the soldering gun. I don't know why I haven't treated myself to finding a soldering gun. Yeah, I have a little bit of experience with those, and I, I concur. I like the soldering gun. I would say probably a soldering iron where you hold it kind of like a more of a pencil. It's probably more adept at doing finer work. The gun for doing quick on-off type things, I'd say that's actually more comfortable probably. I suppose you're probably right. I've, I've not ever... Uh, you, Pretty much what I, I've pretty much just been soldering like speaker wire or something like that. Nothing really. You know, I've never really soldered anything on like circuit boards or anything like that. So yeah, I don't have a huge amount of experience with it, but uh, I have rewired a few electric guitars, and uh, that's that's. I'm not going to be taking pictures and posting them online because they are not pretty. <laughs> um, so I so we're actually we're going to skip way ahead here a little bit. We'll circle back. We're going to hold out on introducing our new character. Um, Speaking of uh, soldering and wiring and things like that, Jonathan, my esteemed host, is an electrician by trade? By law, yes. Okay. Meaning that I have a license. Yes. Is 60,000 volts... Technically, is that even in this minute? 60,000 is. It's 60,000 of something. Okay. Should we wait to talk about that for next minute? Okay. All right. Because that's, well, that's... that's when he actually gets the the shock. Yeah. The uh, so I guess yeah you're right. The so the subtitle completes that phrase in in this minute, but the audio actually cuts out before this minute's over. You're right. We'll we'll save that. That's little teaser for next minute. Then. All right. Maybe we should change it to sixty second thousand. Um. Go ahead and scream, and then I'll tell the audience uh, who the we've got. <laughs> So then we're introduced to the character of Philo, uh, who is awesome and who is played by Anthony Geary. I think it's Geary. Geary. Okay. 
when you're driving a manual car and like, wow, this is geary. Yeah, yeah. Um, which uh, actually, I'm glad that. So this brings us back to the Department of uh, Name pronun- mis- Mispronunciation. We have to um, apologize and amend. Just last episode, I believe uh, we were talking about the score by John Duprez, and uh, John Duprez's name turns out is John Dupree. Or John Dupre. I think it's Dupre. Oh, oh man! Like he is a, like he's a hawk, and he's a bird of prey. Okay. Well, next episode you can uh, issue a correction on on my behalf uh, for All right. my. All right. <laughs> yeah. So Anthony, which way, t- which way sounds more French? We'll just do it that way. Isn't he English? British? I know, but what sounds French? I see what you're. I, I'm picking up what you're putting down. <laughs> Although I'm kind of split. Like, is it du- Dupre? Like, if we were to say Jean Dupre or Jean Dupre? Du Dupre, Dupre, Dupre. Oh. We're getting deep in <laughs> every every time now. Every time we've mentioned the score, you have to do <laughs> All right, no, I, I accept that. Okay. Yeah, we've got Tony, uh, who uh, at the time that he came in to read for this part was a, a big deal on a soap opera, General Hospital. Is that the soap opera he was on? Yep. Okay. That's what Google says. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Weird Al, or Al, and uh, Georges uh, Jean Lévy, the director of the film, didn't even want to see this guy come in and read because they found out he was on uh, um, General Hospital, but he came in and read. <laughs> and he apparently came in completely like he frizzed his hair out and kind of completely came in fully formed as the Philo character. Like they, they uh, saw him do the audition and he auditioned as you see him on screen more or less and they loved it and uh cast him on the spot so the story goes i like how you said that that they found out that he was on like as if he hadn't already been on there for years before this point <laughs> yeah. like who's this guy oh he was on general hospital no yeah. the international communist conspiracy to to be on general hospital um so there is a um, kind of I've, we probably have more to say about this this role and this character, but there is a uh, goof at 28 seconds. So when he when we first see Philo, he's wearing a, a gray glove on his left hand, and when he hands the items to George, he is no longer for the rest of the minute. He is not wearing the glove on his left hand. I'm kind of watching that real closely right now, but as I'm watching that, does he? He takes gum out. Yeah, I believe it's gum. I, I and then does he stick it to the to the machine? Kind of sticking it on the underside there. On the underside of, it looks like he's about to set it down on that um, big uh, item, and it you, it cuts away to a shot of Terry, and her eyes kind of follow his hand down. So it's pretty heavily suggested that he puts the gum down. Uh, but his name? Did we say his name yet? Philo. Yeah, Philo. Yeah. He was named after Philo T. Farnsworth. Mm-hmm. As Weird Al says, was considered by many to be the inventor of TV. He he definitely had a lot of patents and was definitely uh, very involved with the invention of the television. Uh, but I guess that's, that's probably something that there's really no clear winner as far as that goes. Like it wasn't like mm-hmm. everybody was just listening to radio, then all of a sudden he came out of his barn and was like, I have a TV. And I'm glad that you uh, brought that up because I wanted to take this opportunity to give a uh, shout out out into the void. Hopefully the right person will contact me. But uh, as many of our listeners may know, and as Jonathan himself alluded to in this very episode, 
Prior to doing UHF 62, Jonathan was co-host of uh, The Princess Bride Minute. And you had a guest on that show that at one point suggested that he would love to do Radio Land Murders uh, by the minute, a podcast about Radio Land Murders by the minute. And uh, I don't remember who that is, and I'm not going to go back and listen to uh, 89 minutes worth of your podcast, as good as it was, uh, to find out who that person was and reach out to them. So if you're listening to this, please reach out to us. <laughs> Why? As, I mean, if he wants to, that's fine. I say because I want a guest on. I know that there were could, very few female guests, but. Was it, was it a female guest? No, no, no. I'm saying I, I assumed it was a he because I, I know oh, that there were yes. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So, no, because I, I want a guest on that show because I love the Radio Land Murders. And because, uh, so Radio Land Murders has to do with the invention of television. The character played by Stephen Tobolowsky invented uh, television years before Farnsworth uh, in that movie. It turns out at the end, spo- spoilers for uh, Radio Land Murders. Uh, okay, so I see the connection. So you don't care if they come and guest on this show. You just want to guest on their show. No, I, I have no desire for them to come on this show. Great. I will have. I, do, I I need to say though too that for years, you know, kind of before IMDb and stuff, like growing up, uh, I thought that this actor was um, the actor playing Philo. I thought was the actor Dave Allen, who uh, Wendy's guy. That's just Dave. Is that guy's last name Allen? No, so that's Dave Thomas. Oh yeah. <laughs> Dave Allen sometimes goes by Gruber. Uh, he's kind of like a tall, lanky guy that has like long, white, kind of ratty, frizzy hair. And he's been in all kinds of things, uh, Freaks and Geeks. He's in Paul Rust's HBO show, Love. His IMDb list is pretty long. But uh, at one point, uh, I had seen, um, and this is really all going to come together here shortly. At one point, I had gone to see... Good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> at one point, I had gone to see... Um, Cinematic Titanic, which is was an offshoot of Mystery Science Theater 3000, and the, one, the opening act that they had was Gruber or David Allen, and I was I didn't know he was going to be their opening for them, and I was ecstatic because I was like, "That's Philo," and then uh, <laughs> I found out later that it's not Philo at all. <laughs> the entire audience stood up and said, "No, it's not." Yeah, they just all took turns slapping me. Because I was very wrong. <laughs> I see. I see who you're talking about now. Yeah. Um. I found the picture, and I I know what you're talking about. I know who you're talking about. I'm glad. <laughs> yes. But so it's not Philo. No, it's not. It's way not Philo. What dude it is way not Philo, man. But it, it, tying it together, because uh, I'd mentioned that he had opened for um, Cinematic Titanic, which was the offshoot, one of the several offshoots that kind of came out of the ashes of Mystery Science Theater 3000 before it was rebooted, thankfully, by Netflix. Mystery Science Theater 3000 brings us to the creator of that show, Joel Hodgson, who was the actor that yes. uh, Al and Levy wanted originally to play this role of Philo. I did not know that, or if I did, I forgot it, and then I relearned it. Um, I think I, you relearned it. I, I, As far as his personality, I could see that. Because Joel Hodgson, I mean, you can see it on MST3K, but in his mm-hmm. stand-up, he was very much that, that same deadpan, I'm not excited about anything, mm-hmm. everything's fine, delivery. Philo has a perfect look of a guy who just lives in his laboratory in a UHF station. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of like one of the it's one of the things about this movie. It's just like 
um, you know, like David Bowe just is Bob. Like all these characters just are who they are to me. And I think to a lot of people that are probably fans of this movie, it's just like this movie just shows up on your doorstep and it is completely the way it is. And everybody just is the character that they are. I don't know if what I'm saying is making sense really, but I, I think it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. Of course it does. Of course. Of course. I think we have exhausted all of my Philo notes. Except for the Philo T. Farnsworth. I didn't make too many notes about that, but uh, Farnsworth Television and Radio Corporation from 1938 to 1951. Of course, he did other things after that and everything, but that was his his corporation. And that was in Fort Wayne, Indiana, so middle America. Shout out to a former guest of the show who lives in Fort Wayne, who I probably, as I was saying that, probably maybe don't disclose where that guest lives. I don't know. So you guys can figure it out and uh, email us at uhf62nd at gmail.com and tell us which one of our former guests lives in Fort Wayne, Indiana. <laughs> and does he like Radioland murders? Yep. <laughs> I just uh, had a couple things that I was pondering about. Uh, if we're not, are we going to get into the item that uh, Philo hands over to George or is that for next minute? Oh, we can. Uh, I, th- I think it's mentioned in this minute. So yeah, sure, he mentions yeah. the name of it in this minute for sure. Yeah, well, definitely. Definitely, definitely. How do you say definitely? Definitely. Def, def, if I'm, if defi- I'm lazy, that's how I say it. Definitely. Defiantly. Definitely pecans. Really quick before we go into that, um, Philo identifies himself as the chief engineer, um, which led me to wonder if there are additional engineers wandering around the station, or how did he get to be chief engineer? Because I didn't vote for him. <laughs> it's just a, a, a public... Uh... Yeah, uh, I have a lot of different thoughts going off of what you just said. But to address your first thing, I I think we've kind of talked about how this thing just changes hands. I think the station just runs on its own, basically. And you always they just keep getting different people in there to, quote unquote, run it, Mm -hmm. which the station may need that. It may need a, a sense of leadership to actually start making money or something. But I think bare bones, I think it just runs. I'm not saying it runs well, but it just runs. So the device that Philo hands over to George. Mm-hmm. It is. Well, here's the pronunciation thing. Is it is it an interocitor or is it an interocitor or is it an... <laughs> no, I saw, I've seen it spelled in my research. I've seen it spelled as an interocitor, an interocitor, and an interocitor. Oh, wow. Like, uh, is there a hyphen between that inter and rossiter? I've seen it with a hyphen. I've seen it without a hyphen. I've seen it as one word. I've seen it as two words. That's crazy. See, I did, uh, for this minute, I did not write down any of the interocitor notes. Okay, um, well, let me tell the listeners about the interocitor. I'm pretty excited about the interocitor. All right. So, the interocitor was introduced in uh, the 1952 novel, yes. This Island Earth, it was written by, oh my gosh, where are my notes? Oh, I was so excited. Oh, uh, written by uh, Richard F. Jones, born 1915, died uh, 1994. This uh, uh has kind of entered the nerd lexicon um, because it's it's actually name-checked uh, in everything from Warhammer 40K to uh, Leisure Suit Larry. <laughs> to a, a Looney Tunes short film, to Borderlands 2 video game, to Doctor Who episodes, The Interocitor. But uh, perhaps it was first popular. Of course, it was first uh, imagined and, and um, 
written down and, and um, given as a gift to the world in the 1952 novel, The Silent Earth, which was greatly popularized uh, in the 1990 or the 1954 book or movie. Oh my goodness. The Silent Earth of the same name of the, of the novel. But this guy... Tying this into other things we've already talked about. Yeah, go for it. With Joel Hodgson, mm-hmm. which he's not actually in the movie, but the MST3K, the movie covered this island earth one other really interesting thing that i found in my research or actually i did not find but it was told to me by my good buddy ernie sailor uh raymond f jones the guy who wrote this island earth wrote another short story called tools of the trade which was uh published in the november 1950 issue of astounding magazine uh this was the first story to introduce the concept of 3d printing in the story it's referred to as molecular spray but um it's definitely um this guy had the idea of 3d printing uh, and wrote it down in a story in 1950 um when i was younger i had no idea what an interocitor was and for a very good reason i think the only other time i came across interocitor was in this island earth but watching this before this island earth or the mst3k the movie covering this island earth the movie i didn't know what interested meant because uh philo seemed like a pretty smart guy so i'm guessing that he already heard that they got a new boss and that george was coming over and george doesn't have to introduce himself because philo already knows so i thought he was basically saying like calling george the interocitor like like <laughs> as if interocitor meant like my boss or my superior or something like saying so he wants to test if his new interocitor so i have this whole thing of like every time they get a new boss this guy like shocks them and sees if they can even if they can even live I, so maybe this yeah, is why they I keep like changing that. their bosses because philo keeps killing them or something or or just getting rid of them scaring them off i guess yeah i can see that too because uh in in uh, all these ref- in uh, many of these references that I laid out that that kind of name drop the the interocitor, it's usually used as a MacGuffin. You know, I don't I well, I don't know. I was gonna say that George as the boss of the UHF is in itself kind of a MacGuffin, but it's it's kind of is, kind of isn't to the to the plot of the movie. I mean, I guess you could say that everything in this movie is more or less a MacGuffin because it's just something to get to the next joke, I guess. There's a story. There's a plot. There's a... Yeah. Oh, there's definitely a story, but it's, I, you know, like the, the story in and of itself is not the... Uh, um, we'll talk about the crux of the, the story and, and the the conflict as, as the movie progresses because there's definitely some pretty big wrinkles that uh, the story doesn't really hold that much water. Ew. Wrinkles. <laughs> now, do you say wrinkles or do you say wrinkles <laughs> I, say, I say uh i was never mind uh, <laughs> never mind how i say it you don't need to know uh, ladies and gentlemen um please tweet uh, so we're wrapping it up i'm gonna wrap it up we're wrapping it up we're packing yes, it please. in we're we're putting the carrot in on this episode. So, but uh, in the meantime, until we come back with, uh, to you with uh, episode sixteen, please tweet at us at uhf six two nd and let us know. Tweet at us how you pronounce wrinkles. I joked about saying wrinkles, but that sounds gross. I kind of grossed myself out by pronouncing it wrinkles. Well, isn't wrinkles is, isn't that a word like that wrinkles like you get wrinkled i think that's a word yeah would that be would that be a wr though or would that be yes like just a r I oh think that's, uh... i think that's wrinkles i think that's 
It's uh, without a W. It is just rankle, R-A-N-K-L-E. So it cause annoyance or resentment that yeah. persists. So that's with a W? I was saying rankle like with a E, like W-R-E-N-K-L-E. So you're saying Instead you're pronouncing wrinkle? that rankle or wrinkle? Rankle. 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 Well, I w- yes. So I guess wrinkle could be wrinkle, like a long E, or like a wrinkle. Like a rain coal. Like a rain, like rain, like wrinkle. 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 Wrinkle.